Are we ready to start? Are we on Facebook Live? It looks like we are. Or are we? I don't know. Can somebody confirm that? Postpone. Little dance here. Um, so I, uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit. So last week I got to go to Ames, Iowa, to a regional pastors uh, retreat, and there was a moment where I was sitting in a sanctuary where we were in this big round circle, sitting at tables, and I thought, "Wow, what am I doing here?" I'm, I, I felt very, very privileged and, and almost a little out of place um, to be among pastors, vineyard pastors, and counted as one of them. And I, and I thought, I'm, I'm here, I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, the fools and heroes that uh, lead, <laughs> lead our churches in the vineyard movement. Um, and it was very refreshing, and it was... Um, it was really, really good. I, I enjoyed it. I, I got to meet and, and get to know um, several other vineyard pastors. I've only, you know, I, I've got a couple that I feel like I'm good friends with, but now I've, I've got more. And um, anyway, it was, it was a, a real treat. And I just want to, um, I don't know, say I'm, I'm grateful that we're part of a movement that um, takes into consideration how people are doing and, and uh, makes it a, a purposeful thing to take care of people, including pastors. How are we doing on Facebook, yeah? Oh my goodness, oh, well, we're just gonna get started. Uh, good morning and welcome to Omaha Vineyard Church. We're glad you're here. And Facebook too, we're glad Facebook's here. Um, <clears throat> we have been working our way through the book of Ephesians and um, Ephesus is the name of a city in, in modern-day Turkey, and uh, there was a, a church that started there, and Paul wrote a letter from prison to them to encourage them and kind of lay out, okay, here, here, here's the reality. You guys have been um, Gentile pagans, but now you're part of the church of Jesus Christ. You're one with us Jews, and we are one with Christ. And today we're, we're finishing up um, in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And, you know, we just, uh, we just celebrated, you know, Veterans Day. And um, earlier in the week, there was the Marine Corps' birthday, right? These are our fighting men and women who, who defend and protect our country. Um, and uh, what, what does God have to say about, and, and you know what? I am proud of those, those who, who serve. In, in whatever capacity. But there is, there is a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between our human nature and the nature of Christ, this new nature. And uh, I, I ran across this psalm, and um, it, it kind of made me laugh. 
I laugh at inappropriate times. And honestly, guys, if if I ever laugh at something that you find offensive, let me know because I I I know I'm going to do it, and I I'm going to I am going to hear you out. Um, <clears throat> but the, the reason it, it made me hear, hear me justify myself. The reason it made me laugh is because I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I know when I feel like that. It, it's a very human psalm. So here we go. Uh, uh, psalm 137, if you want to follow along. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees. For our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. O Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. Oh, Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you've done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Bible. Well, well. There is a natural, a very natural tendency in our human nature to fight back and, and, to, and to see an enemy as someone that needs to be destroyed. Happy is the one who smashes your children against the rocks. That's brutal. That's brutal. But that's, that's, that is our heart when we are distraught. So let's take a look at, um, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. And this is a, a, a moment where, um, well, well, we'll look at the gist. But it's Ju Ju Jesus and his disciples. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Are you catching the racial, religious, and political tension in that sentence? So when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to consume them, to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And, and uh, my Bible had like these, these uh, extra sentences, and I'm going to throw them in there because I think they're, they're poignant. So these would be from other manuscripts of, of the same book of Luke. But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and he said, you don't realize what your hearts are like. 
For the Son of Man has not come to destroy people's lives, but to save them. So they went on to another village. So we've got national enemies. We've got geopolitical enemies. We've got cultural, ideological enemies. We've got religious enemies. And Ephesians chapters 4 and 5 and the beginning of 6 have all been about our conduct as those who have been called by God, who are one with Christ. And uh, chapters 5 verse 1 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Right? And then he, he makes other statements like, Be careful how you live choosing to be filled with the Holy Spirit rather than the spirit of the God of wine by getting drunk. Uh, chapter 5, verse 21 says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul is laying out specifics for these unique relationships between husbands and wives, children and parents, slaves and masters. And he makes a point of putting the responsibility of the conduct on the individual Right? He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. And then he says in another place, remember that the Lord will reward each, of, each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. The way I read that is, if someone hurts you, and I, I, I tell my kids this all the time, I, I'll, come on, I'll come down on one of them for their behavior, and they're like, but so-and-so did this to me. And I say to them, I'm talking about you and your behavior. You're, you're smashing children on rocks that, that, we're not allowing that. that. That has no place. I'm talking about that. Sure, they, they destroyed your city and they, they tore it to the ground, but you don't get to smash children on rocks. Right? <laughs> God's standards for our behavior is the highest. Imitate God. but we also talked about how he is worthy of nothing less. He is worthy of nothing less than our, our highest calling. He is worthy of our good deeds. He is worthy of all glory and honor and praise. When you work to please your boss all the time, not just when they are watching, even when they're not believe, a believer, and even when they do not treat you with respect, you are working as though your boss is the Lord, and that brings glory to him. When you obey your parents, even if they are not believers, and even when they are broken and sinful, you belong to the Lord, and obedience is the right thing to do. Now, I know there are circumstances where we, we are capable of the worst kind of abuse to one another. And maybe you've received it, and maybe you've dealt it. And you know what? Those, those bring up hard, hard questions, tough questions. And I'm absolutely willing to 
explore that with you. We only have so much time, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into this in just a moment. And, and yeah, a, a spouse or a parent or a boss that fails to treat you in the way that Ephesians five twenty two through six nine spells out, according to Christ, they are not your enemy. If out of a sense of fairness you have reciprocated pain for pain, or as Paul would say, evil for evil. You're not in the right. And that is not conduct that imitates God. As men and women and children who have been called by God, what does he say? What does he have to say about, number one, who are our enemies? And number two, what we should do about them? I'm going to invite the Lord to come and be with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your wisdom, and um, you are so other than that it can be difficult to wrap our, our finite brains around an infinite God. So we invite you into our presence today. Um, shed your light on this topic and give us understanding. Amen. All right, so we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24, to the end of the, the book. And <clears throat> um, Sun Tzu wrote The Art of War. And one of the things that he says in that book is, if you know your enemy and yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Interesting. Now, not every illustration translates really well, but I think that is a powerful um, reality when, when we're talking about Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. So let's we're going to read a couple of verses at a time and, and kind of unpack this. So, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So we'll stop there. 10 through 12. So Paul says our fight, or in some translations let's say we wrestle, not against flesh and blood. And, you know, this is ancient Rome. So uh, Roman wrestling is, is a, it's like a, it's like battle fighting, right? If if you're in a if you're in in the Roman army and you're fighting against a, a another group and you get in close and it's hand to hand combat, that's what they're talking about. And, and when you win at wrestling, it means you've got your hand or your foot on their throat because it's about life or death. And Paul says we are we fight not against flesh and blood but against 
this uh, unseen world, um, mighty powers in the dark in this dark world against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, these dark forces can use people to try and accomplish their goals. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more in a second. But that's part of that know your enemy and know yourself, right? Sun Tzu, the art of war. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemies are these spiritual forces. And we've talked about how this kingdom conduct that Paul is talking about requires us being intentional, being on purpose, and in preparation for life on this earth. And we, we talk about the, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God, where his power breaks in and we see miracles happen, but it doesn't happen every time. And while we are living on this world, if we belong to God, well, honestly, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. The devil hates God because he can't be powerful, more powerful than God. And so any battle he fights against God is never going to win. God is the unbeatable foe of the, of the devil. So what does the devil do? He goes after God's loved ones, you and I, his creation, men and women. And uh, yes, he loves believers, but he loves all. For God so loved the world, right? <clears throat> so the devil has strategies to go after God's loved ones. And when he can mess us up, that breaks God's heart because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. Let's take a look. Uh, uh, chap uh, verses uh, 13 through 17 is what we'll go into in Ephesians chapter 6. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as I mentioned before, there's all sorts of ways that we could unpack this. I've only got so much time. So here's what I want to take a look at this morning are knowing our enemy. So we, we can kind of get an idea of some of the devil's strategies when we, when we take a look at this. So in verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. And then in verse 13, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be, you will still be standing firm. 
And then 14, stand your ground. So one of the strategies of the devil is to get us to move, is to get us to move our feet, to get us to compromise. And if, if you remember when the devil went to tempt Jesus in the desert, he kept using scripture, but he would do it in a way that would twist it, and it wasn't quite the truth. And he was trying to get Jesus to compromise. Interesting, huh? One of the other things that, one of the other strategies of the devil is to keep people in darkness. In verse 15, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And in some translations it says, put on the readiness to preach the good news of peace with God. If the devil can keep you from recognizing what God has to offer, then you then you can't experience it. The, I mean, so and this is one of the things that we we've, we've seen over and over and over again that God is generous and He's got all of these gifts for all of mankind, and the ability to put our faith in him to do what he says comes from God. Remember this from chapter four. Yeah. Chapter four, verses 17 and 18. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They played right into the devil's strategy to keep us in darkness. And then one of the other strategies that I, I saw was based on uh, chapter 16 when he's talking about hold up, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil one of his strategies is to wear us down and get us to doubt. And this makes me think of that, that story where the disciples have gotten in a boat. They're, they're going across uh, the lake. And Jesus gets done praying. He's been on, on the shore. And he's like, okay, I guess it's time to cross the lake. So he starts walking across the water. And he, he catches up with them. And they're like, whoa, it's a ghost. And he's like, no, 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 it's just me. And Peter says, hey, if it really is you, invite me out on the water. He says, yeah, come on out. So Peter climbs out of the boat and starts walking on the water towards Jesus. And then what happens? We all know what happens. The wind and the waves pull his eyes off of Jesus, and then he starts to sink. The devil uses that strategy over and over and over again. 
Honestly, guys, the devil's not that clever. He, he's not that creative. He does the same things all the time. And one of the things that he tries to do, one of his strategies against us, God's loved ones, is he just fires those fiery arrows. And I remember hearing, a, a, I think it was a youth pastor, he was talking about how the, uh, there were two different kinds of shields. One was small and wooden, and that was for up, up close battles. But another one was large and like leather, and they would uh, lay them on the grass so that the dew would get on them in the morning. And so they would have this big wall of wet leather, and when fiery arrows would, would hit them, that they would extinguish them right away. So that's a kind of kind of word picture that uh, the folks, the Ephesians would have kind of understood naturally, because that's that was when they would do that. So so let me just talk about the belt of truth for, for, for a second, because that, that's where Paul starts putting on the belt of truth. So the, the truth that leads to the body armor of God's righteousness and then the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the spirit, which is the, oh no, the shoes ready with the good news to, to tell and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These are all gifts from God. Truth is a gift from God. His righteousness is a gift to us. Salvation is a gift. The faith that we have to believe in that salvation is a gift from God. Good news is a gift. And God's word and his spirit are gifts to us. And they all come from being one with Christ. They all come with the territory when we are called by God and we say yes to God. So know your enemy and know yourself and you won't fear the result of the hundred battles. If the enemy if it if the devil is going to come after us, what can we know? God gives us everything we need to stand firm and after the battle to still be standing firm. So, putting on this armor does require you to submit to the truth of who you are and who the enemy is. Because boy, does the enemy like to sell himself as a, ah, you can't beat me. And God's like, dude, <laughs> you got bounced right out of heaven. 
So I'm going to uh, read. Yeah. So in, in verse 18, so right after all those, you know, the, those words about, you know, different pieces of armor. Here's our real weapon. If we want to talk about it like this. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So putting on this armor requires you to submit to the truth, stay alert to the truth, and be persistent with yourself about the truth. To recognize that when you and I are in conflict with one another, you are not my enemy. The devil can use people to accomplish his strategies. But again, they are not the enemy. They have been fooled by the enemy. And don't you go being fooled by him too. And I, I, I want to read this to you from my... Um, commentary. It says this, note the pervasive use of the Old Testament throughout this section. So if you want to jot this down, great. No? Okay. Here we go. Isaiah 11, chapter 5 and 59, I'm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 11, verse 5 and 59, verse 17 is quoted in, in Ephesians 6, 14. Isaiah 52, 7 is quoted in Ephesians 6, 15. Psalm 7.10 in 6.16. Isaiah 59.17 again in 6.17. And Isaiah 49.2 in 6.17. Listen to this. These passages speak of God's great and promised redemption through his Messiah. The armor of God is not something that the believers put on to fight on their own. The armor is Christ himself. Putting on the armor is equivalent to putting on Christ. The power of Christ is sufficient against all evil and temptation that a believer will encounter. Praise God. If I, if I take Sun Tzu and I think about what Paul is saying here, yeah, if I know who I am and who I am one with and I know who, my, who the enemy is, I don't have to fear the results of 100 battles, 10,000, 10 million battles. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hmm. Okay, so let me go back to, I'm going to read uh, verses 18 through 20. Our most powerful weapon is prayer. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul was probably the smartest guy 
that wasn't also God, in at least the New Testament. I mean, there's, there's times where Peter is, is saying, this is what Paul says, and honestly, he's smarter than me. And Paul is asking for prayer. Yeah, I'm going to ask for prayer. <laughs> I'm not that smart. And even if you're smarter than me, even if you're smarter than Paul, maybe that's part of, of wisdom, huh? Is knowing what we need. Your prayers for others are needed, and you can absolutely, anytime. How does he put it? All times and on every occasion, pray. And I love how he says pray in the Spirit. Again, we don't have to do this on our own. We don't have to you know, show up with, you know, here, Jesus, here's my laundry list of things that I want. I want that... Uh, Natalie McGillicuddy to uh, twist her ankle so I can be in the show choir where she is. No, I don't I know. That's, I know that's kind of weird. But the Spirit wouldn't, <laughs> and we, when we pray in the Spirit, He's going to keep our eye on on God's plan, right? And And help us to stay off of our plan. And staying alert and staying persistent it goes back to that intentionality, that, that being on purpose. We, we got a lot of baggage. We got a lot of baggage. But we can lay that at the feet of Jesus. We can lay that at the foot of the cross. And we can trust God. And I th guys, I think that's probably the biggest thing, isn't it? Is here's this, you know, I want to be in the show choir. And Natalie McGillicuddy's just better than me. Mm. Right? Or Natalie's always coming down on me because I, you know, drop my mask to, to drink my cola. And she never drinks her cola. She always has her mask on. Or you know, whatever the case is. Right? We have these conflicts with each other. We're not the enemy. You're not the enemy. That person is not the enemy. There is a, a true enemy. And when we pray in the spirit, I think that's where we can get that, um, that light that um, Paul keeps praying for, for the Ephesians. Light and understanding to bring things that are in shadows out of the shadows and make them clear and easy to see and easy to understand. Oneness with Christ. All right. I'm going to finish up the chapter 6 here, and then we'll, we'll get into how do, how do we apply this. So, again, just a reminder, this is a letter from Paul while he's in prison to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I'm doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're do doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus give you love with faithfulness. 
May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So in, in verse 23, it, again, it's like a prayer where he says, May God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. And it's interesting that at the beginning of this letter, in verse 1, chapter 1, Paul says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. The Ephesians are already faithful. And Paul is saying, I pray that God will give you love and faithfulness. We, we may be faithful, but we need to be loving and faithful. And then in the, that very last verse, verse 24, it's like the summary of all of the important elements of the life in Christ, which Paul has been exhorting us to live out. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. when we look at, at what Paul has said about who God is and who we are and the relationship, and he says salvation is not a reward for doing good. It is the free gift. I mean, that, that's like the definition of grace is you get something you don't deserve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for calling me to be your child. Thank you for calling me to be one with you. Thank you for all of these incredible gifts that you give to each of us who are one with you and a child with you. So what, what is it like, what does it look like to be called by God? To put on the new nature, created to be like God, what was it that Paul kept praying for the Ephesians over and over again? That they would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. And that from his glorious unlimited resources, God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then in, in chapter 6, verse 10. Paul's final words to the Ephesians. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I, I, I've been screwing in this light bulb, turning it a little bit every, every week, that this conduct that Paul, is, that we are called to as believers is not how we earn our salvation. It is how we honor God. And it's impossible to do on your own. And that's why Paul prays over and over and over again. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
So let me encourage you guys, press into, lean into the presence of God through his spirit. Create an abiding devotional life when you as the branches are open to the life-giving nourishment from the vine, the spirit of Jesus Christ, his life is lived out through you. Through him, you can live in a, in a manner that is worthy of your calling. And a, a way to start as we move into the holiday season is to make a note each day of something that you are thankful for. Whether it is a paper journal or an app on your phone, as you wake up and think about the previous day or as you're going to bed and reflecting on your day. Devote a moment to express your gratitude to God. Next week, we'll be considering the powerful reality of gratitude. And the, the reason I, I, I say let's start there is when we make a habit of going to the Lord and thinking about his goodness, that the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Isn't that good? <laughs> I mean, we love the world. We've got some young people here, and you know, we just want to get in there and experience it all. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. How do you know? How, how, do, you, how do you gauge, right? We do it by, by listening to the Holy Spirit, by kind of keeping ourselves on a short leash, right? Where we're checking in often. We're checking in constantly. How, how, did, how did Paul put it, how we pray? All times and in every occasion. And I have to say, it, over, the, over these last couple of weeks, I, I have been praying the way that Paul has for light for clarity for understanding and um i am recognizing some things in my life that are just plain selfish and they can be hurtful to others my 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 most my closest loved ones um and you know what i'm glad i know it i didn't know it before i'm glad i know it All right, we'll keep going. The book of Ephesians expresses in many ways how generous God is to us and how he showers us with blessings. We are the new people of God, made one with one another and made one with Christ. As his dearly loved children, we are begged to live in a manner that is worthy of our calling. We're told to submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we wrestle not. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. And all of this occurs. All of this is possible only by the church 
empowered through the Holy Spirit. Our role in all of this, individually and corporately, personally and as a church body, our role is to be showered by the blessings of God and to be obedient to him. Let's stand as we pray. God, I just ask now for... that we would put on salvation as a helmet to protect our mind. That we would receive salvation as a gift from you. Hmm. And that we would let go of trying to control it all and do it all on our own and just open ourselves to be one with you, that we would be empowered with inner strength through your spirit, that in any situation, that in every occasion, any time and every time we find ourselves thinking there's no way, there's no way that we would turn to you and that we would give ourselves and our scenario and our loved ones and our country and our hopes and our dreams to you to take if you so desire. And that we would be open to receive your blessings and your plan and your marching orders, Lord. We do desire to be able to stand firm at the end of the battle, that we would be found to be sure-footed. The only way we can do that is through you, and so may we not remember, may we not remember, may we not forget, may we always remember that it's by you. Take us into um, unique experiences, the way, however we're wired, however we're built, to um, experience you personally. Invite us into those things, Lord. May, may we have um, praises throughout the week of, of God encountering us as a church. And as we go into this holiday season, Lord, we can focus on the winds and the waves. We can get down with all those fiery arrows, but Lord, we hold up faith as a shield that yes, yes, you are the commander. Yes, you are the king and the creator. Yes, you are our salvation and our good, good father. And you see us and you know us and you have a plan for us and you give us power and you give us spirit and you change us from the inside out. Come in your power, Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm. Mm. Let me pronounce our blessing, and then uh, I absolutely want to set time aside for ministry because God is who he says he is. So let's...
lean into what God may have to say to us through each other. It was such a blessing to be in Ames and to be prayed for by other pastors and to pray for other pastors. If you don't know the joy of praying for another person and seeing God work, let's do it today. I'll do it with you. So here's our blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Guys, that's, those are God's words for us to be blessed by him. He desires to bless us so much that he gave us this blessing so that we would be blessed by him. I'm going to say that one more time. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. All right. Seven minutes of what? Okay. Uh, all right. Anybody in the Zoom land or Facebook land uh, need a prayer? Otherwise, funnel those in here. We'll we'll start we'll start in house. Can I keep? How's your back doing? Same. All right. Got it. Okay. So Heather Fletcher's got uh, some back issues from two car wrecks. Well, we're glad she's here. <laughs> she's in bad shape. <laughs> so if you'd like to pray, whether it's uh, 